welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Shane's Back Porch here in beautiful Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Demon. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, it's interesting to try to figure out what the proper social etiquette is for this situation. Okay. And I'll end up, so... Would you like to tell the listeners that yeah. you're not currently smoking? <laughs> yeah. So, um, without getting into too many details, uh, I'm having to take a, about a week and a half off from from smoking cigars, and so still, you know, can still be around it and, and whatnot. And I'm, it's not a health concern or anything like that. But uh, so now we're in the the odd sort of predicament of Shane gets to smoke a cigar and I have to sit here and watch him like a chump. So. And so here's the thing. This is tough from my end of the table, too, six foot away. Because what do you smoke when you know the other person would like to, but they can't? (laughs) Right. You know, so I brought out two cigars, and I'll have to decide which one I'm going to smoke. So here I have a Asylum Schizo 6x60. Okay. Medium filler cigar. Good cigar, not great. Right. I think I could pretty well smoke this one front to back with very little, um, very little desire from you to smoke. <laughs> I see. I, I think it. I think it's of a quality that's still a good quality, but, but it's not in my wheelhouse, so there won't be any envy generated. Right. It, it would. <laughs> it would probably be the humane thing to do. It would be. Yeah. That or like an underground shade, something you know. I'm just not a huge fan of. On the other hand, I've got this Fuente Fuente open at six. It's been sitting around the house for about four years, aging in my humidor. You just perfection. got tired of looking at it, or uh, yeah? Well, I'm just I was nosing around the humidor the other day and thought, boy, that's I haven't smoked an Opus in a while. I, I won't say this is four or five years old. This is Dang. at least several years old Opus because I hadn't bought an Opus in a while. Because like I said, I'm not a huge You're Opus, a, yeah, huge Opus fan. And all now that is a good cigar. It is a good cigar, but it's not aroma craft or something that you're really head over heels for. True, it's not. And and as you know, we've talked about before. I tend to only smoke an Opus around Christmas, so it's not even like it's something that you know that I would probably want to smoke today anyway, kind of thing. So I could conceivably enjoy the Opus guilt free. Yes. And uh, not that I, not that there's anything wrong with the schizo. No, but I, I am I am giving you my blessing to to enjoy the opus. Hopefully, that four years of age has given you some will will help it to give you something that you want out of it. I hope so. I hope that the aging process has been kind to this particular cigar. It's, like I said, it's Opus X. And uh, while I light it, tell everyone the story of Opus X. So, uh, the the short version, and and if you ever get the opportunity to buy a box it comes with a dvd that kind of tells the story of the opus x and and essentially the the short version is carlito fuente carlos jr um who's now third generation fuente felt like he needed to do something to earn the name of fuente and so he set aside a specific field where where he grew a specific blend that he developed and that ultimately uh, became the Opus. And so that was his way of putting his mark on the industry for his family and feeling like he really earned his spot. 
What do you think? Well, I just fired it up, and that's really good. Yeah. It's it got, smells really good. It's got a little sweetness to it. That You know, tobacco, to me, more than any other characteristic as it ages, is sweet. Mm-hmm. It seems like, I don't know if it's the... The more ammonia leaves the tobacco, the more the sweetness breaks, the sugars and all that can come forward. But more than anything to me, aged tobacco has more sweet to it than to anything else. Yeah. And also, I was just firing it up and thinking about that. That's pretty darn good. That may be as good an opus as I've had. But now I haven't had one in a couple of years well, since I bought this one. Mm. And also, which because, like I said, not my favorite cigar. Right. So not a big deal now. The good thing is, you kind of picked the best time possible not to be smoking. On what planet does that make sense? Because if you were constantly at the shop with the guys right now, surrounded by other guys, and we were all smoking and laughing, and everybody that walked in kept coming up to you, as is the norm, and said, hey, Trey, do you need a cigar? Can I get you some? Right. You know, hey... You want to try this? Because if, if we see you sitting in the cigar shop about smoking. True. That would that would be very different entirely if I was sitting there constantly. So it is, it is beneficial that I spend most of my time at my house. And so it's been Sunday night was the last cigar I had. Here it is Thursday. So I'm about halfway through. I've got another week to go. And, uh, you know, it, for the most part, when I'm staying busy and kind of doing I've, I've run a lot more this week than I have a couple of previous weeks so there's at least some some benefit there uh, you know it's yeah it could be a lot worse if it were if if what's going on now wasn't going on yeah I mean as timing goes it's probably as good a timing as you could have you know a friend of ours he quit cigars for Lent and I, I thought to myself well this probably really helped him this probably really helped him quit that for you know for Lent because again he's not at the shop hanging around the guys right which is when you want a cigar the most yeah no it it really is uh, though I will say there are a couple of other times throughout the day or the week that make a cigar really really good and uh, at what point have you missed it the most when do you miss it the most I'll I'll tell you about that off the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When do you miss it the second most? <laughs> at the at the end of the workday, when when all the calls have been made, all the estimates are out, everything is done, and I want to make that transition from do mode to rest mode, especially because we've had this wonderful uptick in warm weather lately. And so, you know, we've been going for walks around our neighborhood. And like I said, I've been going for runs and stuff like that. But you want to just, the, those are the times it, when the quiet of the evening before it turns to nighttime is my favorite time to have a cigar. Yeah, it's really, you know, I usually, my, my cigar is usually about six o'clock. Yeah. That's usually by the time I've got home from work and we've had some dinner and we've talked about each other's day and kind of unwound a little. Because I have, there's strict protocols for Shane arriving home. I have protocols that we established years ago that really work things out. I don't ask a lot of my wife, but one of the things I ask... Would she agree with that? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things I ask of her is, please... No questions for the first 30 minutes I get home. 
no how's your days no did you you know did you put shoes on the horse no any of these questions no questions for 30 minutes let me decompress let me shift out of work mode Mm -hmm. and shift back in because for years i drove from nashville to spring hill working and that was about 30 minutes worth of drive that I had to decompress. Right. And now you're two minutes up the road. Yeah, now I'm just right up the road. And usually I'm home when she gets home. And it just kind of, I think I would encourage the world to embrace this philosophy because it, it's kind of too much if you're, as soon as your significant other comes in, you just start barraging them with, where you been? What have you been doing? Well, there are, there are some people that are elevators. And there are other people that are compressors. And so I'm, I tend to fall in the elevator category, which how is your day? I hope you've got an hour because it's going to be. And then every little tangent and story, anybody's been listening to this show long enough knows that I can't tell a story from A to B. But then Noel, on the other hand, is very much the opposite. She, how was your day? Good and that so we have to we have learned we have to communicate of like I'm not I'm not there yet give right. me a second I, you know especially if I'm coming in hot off of a, a work day and I still have a lot built up and I'm you know that sort of thing there, there's a lot to be said for communication on that on that front well what's the what's the statistic they say that women use about 10,000 words a day and men use about 2,500 something like that yeah I, I believe that's true because especially while she's working from home right now, sometimes I'll get home and it's like she can't get the words out of her mouth fast enough and into the ether because of me. The and letters in the words are literally <laughs> tripping yeah. over each other. You, you just see a card. It's like it can't all come out of her head fast enough yeah. because she's, <laughs> she's not had her words that day. And, all. and it's funny because when she starts, I don't know if Noel does this, but when my wife starts talking to another woman, it progressively gets faster and faster and faster until the point it's just a high-pitched squeal that I can't understand words and nobody else around can? It doesn't, not quite. Um, Noelle's a pretty fast talker anyway, um, which she has slowed down lately just because of my inability to hear. And so, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't notice that so much. Um, but she is the, one of those people that will, she's not going to use 30 words if she can say it in eight. That's just the way she is, which is, yep. which is great. My wife will never use five words and 50 will do. Yeah. <laughs> and also it, it is funny. It's kind of funny how that all works. And I'm not complaining about my wife. I'm thrilled to death to have her. These are just observations. Right. You know, you can make observations about things without it being a critique of, as such. Of course. And also. I do want to make a observational critique so that we can start talking about a cigar article. All right. The Your Cigar Den Cigar Bar in Ybor City, and uh, which you knew would be kind of the first place to really try to get, you know, they got to get them lounges back open. Right. And they got to get that them back is open. their economy. And we're not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on the COVID-19 stuff, but I did like a lot of their ideals here. And I, I wanted us just to kind of talk about them a little. Yeah, I, you know, it was funny. We were looking for stuff to talk about this week, and I made the comment. It, it, I was looking for anything that wasn't coronavirus related, and I couldn't find it. There was nothing. 
you know, ever everybody every piece of news is, is about nothing but this. So I'm not surprised to see that there's a that this shop is is trying to implement a way for them to operate in a post-COVID world. Yeah, which is an interesting thought because I do think there's going to be some changes. You know, um, absolutely. I think my num and I miss the handshake drastically. I desperately miss the handshake. Does not bother me one bit. In oh. fact, if we if we go in a Western culture to to more of a bow, I think that would be fantastic. No, I I I, miss, I get the measure of a man when I shake his hand. I make my when I shake a man's hand, I form my opinion on him. And all, and, and the same thing when a lady comes up and offers me to shake my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I don't approve. Two, um, it tells a lot if she shakes hands like a man or shakes hands like a lady. And also, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to navigate this post-COVID world if I can't shake hands. I, I bet we'll go back to shaking hands. I, I don't see that going away. Um, I. I I, like I said, I would be perfectly fine if if that did happen, but I don't I don't see it. We've been shaking hands for far too long. Well, and you know, you grab sometimes you grab somebody's hand and it's like a giant bear mitt. Yeah, and on you instantly know that you know you you have to take a second look because you're like, wow, I didn't know he was that big a human being. Yeah, is he a first baseman? No, that's his hand. <laughs> yeah, when his hand wraps around yours, <laughs> room to spare. I, mean, I walked yeah. into the cigar shop before all this started started. And one of our regulars was there, and he had a new friend. He said, hey, Shane, let me introduce you to so-and-so. And when I shook his hand, I said, holy cow, you've got giant hands. And he looked at me and said, I never thought I had giant hands. And Aaron <laughs> said, yeah, you have giant hands. <laughs> so I am going to kind of miss that. But speaking of the post-apocalyptic world <laughs> that we're going to be living in right. soon. So one of the first thing they're going to do is their air handling systems. An ionizing purifier will be installed in the HVAC duct. All right. Do you want me to pick these apart yes, one I by do. one? Yes, because I do, because this is your line of work. Yeah. I want you to really, I want to take advantage of your expertise. Okay. So when they talk about an ionizing purifier, most likely what they're talking about is an ozone machine. I personally hate ozone. Uh, ozone, and not just from a professional experience standpoint. What is ozone? It's O3. So oxygen exists in nature as an O2 molecule. So it's two oxygen molecules bound together. Well, you can bond three oxygen molecules together, and that's how you, that's ozone. The problem I have with ozone is number one, the smell. Not everyone. It's kind of like the coriander and uh, cilantro thing. Some people think it tastes like soap. Other people think it's the most delicious thing in the world. There's actually a genetic component to that that determines whether or not you can taste it. Ozone is similar in that some people smell it, other people don't. Next cigar I describe, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna use it, utilize. It's sometime in 2020 I will utilize the word ozone as a descriptive te- comment on a cigar. Carry uh, on. Okay, uh, that's a pretty good way to guarantee I won't smoke it. But anyway. Um, so the problem I have with ozone, number one, is that I don't like the smell. Number two, it's oxidative. So when you hear – so basically anything metal in that shop is eventually going to rust. Uh, when you hear people talk about free radicals and other types of health things that can come from from free electrons in your system, those those are oxidizers. Ozone is actually going to contribute, and if you stay for long enough – 
a period of time in a high ozone environment, it can actually have really negative health effects to you. So you're saying no on the ozone. Unless they are using some other type of ionizing purifier, I, I'm gonna. If they're using ozone, I say absolutely not. So avoid ozone when you're look. So when you search for ionizing, why can I not say ionizing? When you search for ionizing purifiers, be sure there are no ozone. Exactly. That's a hand. That's that's way deeper than a tip we've ever given on the show before. <laughs> and and you will get. And I will just preface this by saying you will get differing information on that. Some people will agree with me. Some people won't. So do your own research, but. For, for someone, for me, I, I am not a fan of ozone. An ultraviolet germicidal irradiation system we be involved in the HVAC. Now, All right, now, let's talk about now, this one now. <laughs> I do. I do remember the first time I met your boss, looking at him and saying. Hey, that ultraviolet light duct stuff, that's a scam, ain't it? And yep. he says, not the way we do it. <laughs> well, so so interestingly, what, what you guys were talking about that day was, was duct cleaning from a professional duct cleaning service. And that's not a scam. However, the ultraviolet light in your duct system. Now, ultraviolet light absolutely has antimicrobial properties. It's a fantastic sanitizer. Um... Here's the thing, though. When you install it in your HVAC duct, a, a molecule or a microbe or whatever has to spend a certain amount of time under that ultraviolet light for it to be effective. It doesn't just see the ultraviolet light and die. Air moving through an HVAC duct is moving so quickly that the ultraviolet light doesn't really have its oppor- the opportunity to do what it has to do. So while I love the idea of using ultraviolet light... Um, to neutralize microbes. In fact, my hearing aids every night go in a box with ultraviolet light and airflow, and that's how I keep them from, you know, critic. I wonder if that's the way one of the, that those um, um, CPAP cleaners work. That's exactly how they work. Oh. So, yeah, so for a situation like that where you've got the UV light has an opportunity to sit there for a prolonged period of time, great. For something like an HVAC duct, where it's mo- now, the guy that the guys that install these systems get paid a heck of a lot for recommending them, and that's why you'll see them recommended so often. I've never seen anybody who doesn't make a living selling an HVAC ultraviolet system recommend it. Okay, so filtration will be upgraded with hospital grade HEPA filters. Great, love it. What's a, what's the difference in a HEPA filter and the filters we're using right now? So HEPA goes through rigorous testing. Uh, and it has to meet certain specifications. Specifically, a HEPA filter will filter out 99.97% of all particulate 0.3 microns and larger. Okay, so how big's the average flu bug? Uh, so viruses are going to be 0.1 to 0.3 microns. So they're going to be smaller than HEPA most of the time. But... Here's the thing, especially we've heard a lot about this. Let's talk COVID specifically. Um, Viruses are basically the smallest thing that exists. A virus can't travel through the air on its own. You you don't just have willy-nilly viruses. They have to be carried by something. In most cases, it's a droplet of water. Now, a droplet of water is going to be about a micron or so. Um, So... If you're talking about 99.97 of 0.3 and, and larger, 
your water droplets are getting caught in this. So it is effective in slowing the spread of viruses because they're trapped in something that's large enough, even though they're themselves are not large enough to get caught in the filter. Filters will be not will not be used for smoke mitigation. We will rely on the new exhaust fans that will prevent germs from being spread around. I, I'm not sure what they're I'm not sure what they're trying to say here because by virtue of the fact that you're running a filtered device in an environment where smoke is means that you're going to have smoke go through it. I, I guess what they're saying is that they are going to primarily vent the air out and then worry about filtering and treating it. Well, and one thing that's not covered in here that, is, that I'm surprised, why are we not filtering the air coming in? Right. Because if you, if you don't have an intake, if all you have are, out, are outputs, then a lot of times air has to be sucked in around windows and underneath floors. You know, I've, I've consulted on houses where they said, hey, we need to replace our windows. No, you need to insulate your attic. Right. You insulate your attic and all of a sudden your windows quit leaking because there's the volume of air, the thermal transfer is not occurring. I can't explain that on the podcast about drawing a picture. Right. But but basic suffice it to say, if you're in a contaminated environment, you want negative pressure. If you're in an in a in an uncontaminated environment, you want positive pressure. And the only way to positively pressurize something where you've got exhaust is that you have to have a, a, a higher amount of intake. So I'll, this next part of the article, accoutrements. I love that word. I knew you would. Accoutrements. I never. I, I've never. I've. I've done. I've had accessories. I don't know that I've ever had an accoutrement. <laughs> All public use cutters and lighters will be removed. Is this not about time? Yeah. <laughs> so I used to hang out in a shop in Atlanta, and he had house lighters sitting on most of the tables and inevitably because people are idiots like click 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 uh, it's, it's not working they throw it and anytime anybody would give the owner a hard time about the fact that his lighters were always empty or didn't work he'd say you know we sell lighters here right as and, well they should you know that's the right answer yeah I, I i think it's so funny that we have just decided that 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 it's the person's responsibility to provide something well, I don't. I think okay. Put out matches. Yeah, books of matches, boxes of matches. Most everybody gives them to you for free. Well, and you know, one of the shops in uh, in Nashville charges a quarter for a box of matches. That's I'm I'm happy to pay a quarter for a box Thrilled of matches. Thrilled to death. Yeah. And as far as cutters go, we have there's. So, uh, you can put a good cut on a cigar of a cheap plastic cutter. You absolutely can. Now, you probably can't cut 200 with a cheap plastic cutter and it hold up. You're probably fine at 200. You get over 1,000. That's where you probably... It, probably, it depends on size and, and your skill level and all that stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, for $15, you can have a cutter and a lighter. It's right. not going to be the best. No one's going to be trying to steal it from you because they're so jealous of it. But for $15, for less than the cost of two cigars, you can have your own cutter and lighter. Why wouldn't you? Right. Every, everybody, just just carry your own cutter because it really, I get a little antsy when somebody asks to borrow my cutter. I do too. And, uh, and I shouldn't as often. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be as big a deal. But after this, now yeah. it will. Now, Especially the days now, of, yeah. hey, can I borrow your cutter are pretty much going to be gone by the wayside. At least for the next year or so. Yeah. For real. Yeah. 
Um, the the next one I love this this is what jumped out of the article at me. Cutters and lighters will be loaned out to individuals and treated with an EPA approved combination germicide, pseudomonocide, fungicide, and viricide between uses. All I can picture is that thing at the barbershop at the Barbasol with the blue liquid that they pull oh, yeah. the combs out of. I could just see one of these sitting behind the counter and you just pull it up and pull a cutter out and <laughs> swipe it off on a shop towel and hand it. Which, by the way, is filthy. Right. <laughs> is there anything more disease? You know, that's the one thing they're not showing in here is how disease-ridden are the shop towels running around yeah, any, exactly. any particular bar towel. <laughs> And I'll, um, the other two glassware will not be used as it can be, cannot be guaranteed and puts our staff at risk. Eh. I, that That's one of those things that I'm just like, you know, because when I worked at the shop, we had glassware, you know, pint glasses and stuff like that. You're not, if you're handling someone else's glassware and not washing your hands afterwards, that's on you. I, I'm sorry, but well, and that's kind of been the theme of the past three months. Who are all these people that weren't washing their hands? I know. I mean, I can I can tell you, I have not had to add a single hand washing to my life. Well, and that's the thing. I have not gotten sick in the last four years or so, and so when people ask me, especially with the fact that I'm still working right now, if if I'm concerned, if I'm worried, no. Because I haven't gotten sick in the last four years. So, obviously, my day-to-day life is is sufficient enough to keep me from getting sick. Yeah. I um, don't touch my face and I wash my hands. It's not that hard. Uh, payments. They won't talk about wireless pay systems and I credit used one cards. of those the first time the other day. It's awesome. I just double-click the button on my phone and boop, paid. I've never See, used it before. It's great. I know a lot of people use those. It scares me. Because it's too easy. There's You registered zero emotional loss to that purchase. Well, it was also gas, which I get reimbursed for anyway. So I, But I get your point. I've got it set up on my watch, too, but I, I have a hard time doing that. I, well, I, just, I see people use that all the time. And, you know, I use $100 bills a lot of time because I feel a loss when I spend right. that. And I spend less money because I use that. All this wireless stuff really concerns me, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point. But it's the reason that I went ahead and set it up, or I've had it set up for months, almost a year, but I've never used it. But with what's going on, like, I don't have to pull my card out. I was, you know, went to the cigar shop last week and, and you know, took my card out, wiped it out with a Lysol wipe, set the, the wipe down, and then set the card on top of it so that Beth knew that I was taking care to make sure it was clean and I, yeah, I, and then I do that when I go to Wendy's and I do it when I go to this and I go like, I'm kind of tired of wiping off my debit card. If I can just boop with the phone, that's so much easier for me right now. Um, the other things, you know, we're not going to dwell on this much longer since we've taught a, a master's class in mold this half of the show. <laughs> and I'll, um, high use areas will be cleaned at an aggressive schedule by our staff and they're going to make, um, Disinfectant wipes available for you wipe down your table, seat, or area before using it. I'm going to say one thing bef- bef- before we move on. But, you know, an EPA-approved disinfectant, and that that all of that is, is great. Aggressive schedule, meaning you're doing it more often. Again, great. None of that matters. And I'm going to make sure I say this right. None of that matters if you're not doing it right. If you miss a spot, you might as well have not done it. Or if you come back and 
and contaminate the area, you might as well have not done it. So well, skill and process matters, not just the products. Well, and the art of life is protecting yourself without debilitating your immune system. Right. You know, there's a certain amount of dirty and bacteria we all should be able to handle. Exactly. And uh, so this, uh, I'll be interested to see what the long-term ramifications of this turn out to be. Yeah, me too. And uh, But let's step away from a break. Um, I must say I'm thoroughly enjoying this Opus X. Um, getting a lot more spice, a lot more pepper, and that sweetness. You know, when I first lit it, that sweetness was really strong. And now it's kind of getting spicy and peppery and back to more of the Opus flavor. So I wonder if it was just where the tobacco was exposed to air on the end. It um, aged faster or yeah, at a different know. rate or what happened. But um, it's been in the cellophane, so it hadn't been exposed much. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it, I well, will say. Well, we're going to step away, and we will be back with more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about a cigar that we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the Schizo Maduro, S-C-H-I-Z-O. I still haven't had one of these. Um, these are made by Asylum Cigars. They're a uh, The wrapper is just Maduro is the only description they give. The origin is Honduras. It's a Cuban sandwich. It's made with a mix of medium and long filler cigar tobacco, but they're very good for this price bracket of cigar. You know, we're talking about a um, 20 pack of Toros, $60.99 on cigar.com. Yeah, it's about three bucks a stick. That's not bad. Yeah, for just a little over, touch over three bucks a stick, you can have this cigar. And they are really good for, you know, for what they are. They're not going to blow a Padron out of the water. They're not going to be like a Padron. Right. But they are going to be a good cigar. If you're looking for, they're made in the El Aladino factory in Honduras. And Alan Aladino makes some really good cigars. But, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have picked that out smoking this. It doesn't have that Aladino-type flavor. Yeah. And I'll, but just a, a great, inexpensive cigar. Until next week, try the Maduro Schizo. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who has refrigerator rights in my home, Trey Dead. <laughs> And I would that that says something about your level of friendship with a person if you have refrigerator rights. Well, you know, Dr. Will Miller, who's one of my favorite psychoanalysts, he wrote a book called Refrigerator Rights, and he actually pointed to that's part of what's um, wrong in our society. One of the things that ills our society is how many people do you know that have refrigerator rights that could feel completely comfortable walking into your house, reaching into your refrigerator, and getting whatever they want and walking out. So what's the problem that we have too many people that we give those rights to no, or we not don't, enough? We don't have not en- we don't have enough people too that few. we give those. Oh, okay. Too I, few. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, if I'm sure there's something evolutionary, you know, kind of lizard brain related in terms of, you know, uh, you still see it with dogs about having that food insecurity and I wonder if there's something of like trusting my resources or or sort of thing. I don't know. I do still 20, 22 years later, hold it against my brother that he ate my sandwich from Texana Bar and Grill <laughs> in 1990-whatever. <laughs> the leftovers. Cause so, so Texana Bar and Grill used to be over on um, toward the airport on the east side or west side of Nashville, whichever side. It's east side. East side, yeah. And they had... 
the greatest sandwich ever. They took whatever ribs that weren't sold by the end of the night, kind of toward the end of the day. They'd just peel all the meat off those ribs and turn it into this amazing sandwich, okay. this brioche bun. And I went there, and I got one, and I ate half of it there and brought the other half home and stuck it in the refrigerator. <laughs> and I got home the next day. Your man was gone. my brother had eaten. And then, I'd hold that against him, too. Well, to make it worse, they shut that place down right after that. Oh, no. So, so he ate never the ate last the la- half of the last Texana sandwich I was ever going to have. Oh, that's pretty rough. So I'm, I'm justified in holding that against oh, him yeah. for 20 years, Absolutely. ain't I? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Just, be, just being sure that that was still on the up and up. <laughs> and I'll, before we get into our next article, I do have a question for you. All right. If you were traveling with a nom de guerre, if you were going to sign into a hotel under a fake name, what would you choose? Ben Sullivan. Ben Sullivan. That sounds like an accountant out of Hoboken. And there you go. And that's exactly why. See, this says something about your fantasy life. That you know, you're when you when you fantasize about Batman and Robin, you're Robin. No, this really no. says something poor if about I, your fantasy no, life. No, it really doesn't because you've got to think. If it weren't for what we know about James Bond, James Bond sounds like an accountant. An accountant. That is not a strong name. That is not. It's the way he says it, and what we know about the character. But sounds like an accountant. Well, sorta. So when you, if you, if you have some reason to be using a fake name somewhere, you don't want to be Max Danger because people are going to recognize that it's going to stand out. You want to be somebody unassuming like Ben Sullivan. See, I was going to use Lance Savage. Yeah, that's too... No, you can't do that. But if you're going to have a fantasy, why not have a good one? <laughs> I mean, do you, do you want the call girl coming up and asking for Ben Sullivan or Lance Savage? Which one do you <laughs> think she's going to enjoy more? Yeah, but to me, the what makes the, the fantasy so much better is to think that you're doing something that is so whatever that, that you don't want to be found out. If you're using a name like Lance Savage, then you're going to be found out pretty quickly. Well, anonymity has its value, but there is a certain point where, you know, you're using you're using the the nickname to just just because. Mm-hmm. And all, but this this does speak. Did you read comic books as a child? I did. I did. Okay. Which ones did you read? Prepare for judgment. I know. Well, I'm not going to tell you which <laughs> one was my favorite because I know you will judge me very oh, harshly. Oh no. Uh, I was always a big Batman fan. Always have been a big Batman fan. Um, b- basically, the DC universe in general. I was never a big Marvel guy. Interesting. Which you got to tell me which one was your favorite? Green Arrow. Green Arrow. Okay, I can see that. Very liberal, hippy dippy type. Very preachy. I mean, the early Green yeah, Arrow was was unbearable to read. He did mellow out. The first couple ones, yeah, it was was painful to read. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine why anybody would enjoy that. Well, at, once you get past the first couple of issues, he tones it down, and you can actually get behind him a little bit. This, the, again, this speaks that you have a really weak fantasy life. Your fantasy life just is. I'm doing this while he's drinking water, so he can't. <laughs> you just you you have a really weak fantasy life. That Green Arrow, the one guy no powers, 
and all. Has to spends way he literally for what one boxing glove arrow cost, he could buy the mini mart and make the owner much happier than Thornton the robber. <laughs> so I'm just saying, the Green Arrow is the is one of the worst comic book heroes ever conceived. Still of. better than Aquaman. Aquaman had its place. I mean, it's ocean. He had sharks. He had stuff like that. I mean, low cost, low overhead. Well, see, when I look at a superhero, that's one of the things I got to think about. What's the overhead? You know, the overhead on being Batman is gigantic. You got planes. You got boats. Green Arrow. All you need is a bow and arrow. You're good. Oh, he had tear gas arrows and boxing glove arrows, and I mean, yeah, but. So, and as far as maintaining a secret identity, oh, Mr. Queen, I see you ordered another 20 boxing, green boxing arrows, right. or another a twin, a five pack of green Between bows. you and that coyote guy, man. We, we <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the worst secret identity ever. No way to keep that identity yeah. secret. You just look at his, his visa bill and you can track him down as... It's kind of, you know, that's that's all long been my thought. It's been super easy to have found the Joker at any point. You just call UPS. Hey, where'd you deliver a 500-gallon tank and three th- three dozen piranha this week? Oh, <laughs> warehouse over on West. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we know where the Joker's going to be later on. <laughs> but while we're talking about superheroes, I guess what it's funny how sometimes one thing spurs another. Marvel retroactively censors cigars for X-Men reprints. So they're taking the cigar out of Wolverine's mouth. Because heaven forbid, you know, I think it's so funny that, that it's it's pretty much only Wolverine. And and Logan was such a badass kind of guy anyway. Like, if, if anybody was going to smoke a cigar, that's who it would be. Well, and if you look at the picture, so this is from OneAngryGamer.net. We got, we got to quit giving. Yeah. We got to quit giving everybody their own website. <laughs> We're going to, have to put some stand. But okay, so if you look at the picture, they have one picture of him standing facing a guy with a cigar mouth. The other of him standing facing the guy about it. He looks like he's going to kiss him. He does. <laughs> well, the thing is, he looks. It looks almost like the cigar was the one that was photoshopped. Yeah, it almost looks like his mouth was closed and they just stuck a cigar on the end of it versus having taken it out. You know, and you look at the the next in image down there at the bottom where he's standing there with his hand clearly lighting a cigar with his hand. Yeah. And they take it out. So what's he doing setting his own mask on fire? Is <laughs> the game? Plus he had the claws. He always had a cutter on hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all, I'm just... I'm just saying, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I just, I don't, like, you know, they even put warnings in front of movies now of, like, rated mature for historical smoking. or You know, like, let, get over it. People smoke. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. There's nothing inherently bad about it. Just because you see somebody smoking doesn't mean, make you any more likely or unlikely to smoke as you already were. Right. Are you? Do you have any more desire to have a cigar since sitting here watching me smoke this one than you had when you got here? No. No, it's exactly the same. Exactly the same level. And you may see 20... And if this were true, then the opposite would be true. If you went and sat somewhere where nobody was smoking, you would lose your urge to smoke, right? Exactly. But it never works that way. I think it's so... F- well, I don't want to get into that on the show, but we'll talk about it afterwards, about how it's always... It's always the people who have this argue or have one argument on this subject. You change the subject, and they argue the complete opposite, and don't see the hypocrisy 
in in the fact that that leap in logic only works when it plays to their benefit. Sure. There's there's always going to be those people. The, well, people people always make up their own their own viewpoint and then they try to find facts to support it. That's one of the biggest things science has to teach us is look at the facts, don't formulate a theory and then try to find facts to support it. Yeah, exactly. And all, but I think this is a more of an indictment. The comic book business is dying. Oh, they're so quickly. I mean, the comic book business has got to reshape itself if it's going to survive at all. You know, I look at, you know, uh, Dark Knight Returns, The Watchmen, uh, all of these great graphic novels that came out in the late 80s, early 90s, and and into the late 90s was kind of really the the silver age of, of comics. We don't have anything like that anymore. No one's creating great content. All of the staple superheroes are just kind of, you know, rolling with the punch. They're all in cruise control. Like, oh, you, I have no idea what's going on in the DC universe because they've rebooted it 28 times yeah. in the last five years. It's just no one can. I guess everyone's trying to figure out a storyline that would translate well to movies because that's where the money is on these properties right now. I guess I don't know. I, I think when you write, if when you undertake any artistic endeavor, and you write to make it appeal to a certain people, you you damage the credibility yeah. of it. Yeah, it's just like it's just like being a stand-up comic or being a musician or being a writer. You've got to write what you want, and then other people will eventually like it. You'll, right. you'll find your audience as long as you're genuine, as long as you're true to yourself. Then your audience will find you. You can't go after the hipster basket weavers in Central Park because they don't want to be targeted. Well, and a lot of times it even you know um, this happened to the WWE. They use the evil bosses, the evil mastermind plot for so many years as a device. You know that Vince is the big bad or the corporation mm-hmm. is the big bad. That whenever the corporation as a whole of WWE decided to push somebody, the fans immediately started hating. Right. And they're like, well, why is it working this way? Because you've trained the fans to hate the, to yeah. hate you. Yeah. If you train us to hate you, we will. Right. <laughs> you know? And all, but I thought, I thought that was interesting. Now, I do want to talk about this Ranker article. I don't want this okay. show to slip away from us without talking about this oh, particular got, yeah. Ranker article, because I do think that there'll probably be a heated debate about some of this. I saw this and immediately thought of you, because you're the kind of guy that names everything around him. You you strike me as the guy, everything in your life falls some point on a ranked list of some kind. I, I, have, I have a very regimented process so when I saw, So when I saw the trilogy meter, it just screamed Shane to me. So the article comes is talking about um, Jurassic Park specifically, um, but they listed alongside other trilogies and with varying degrees of how successful and or good um, each installment of the trilogy was. And for the most part, I feel like they got it right. You know, to be they could have. Um they could have faked this pretty easy. I think better of Ranker because it does actually really reflect well. You know, they they talk about the Star Wars trilogy, 
you know, and um, Empire Strikes Back is rated the highest in this particular graphic. We'll have to put this particular graphic up on the page or something. Yeah, absolutely. But the Star Wars trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, which, now granted, I like Jedi a little better because I like things to have a beginning, middle, and end. But the Empire Strikes... I don't. I didn't like the ambiguity with which Empire Strikes Back ended. In that, okay, now we've found out everything, now we got to wait for the next movie. But... But the, the general consensus among Star Wars people is that The Empire Strikes Back is the superior of the trilogy. Exactly. One of the things I do like is when they get over here to Indiana Jones, they left off. Granted, it's the trilogy meter, but I just appreciate that anytime you talk about Indiana Jones, just leave off the crystal skull. Just pretend it didn't exist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it stops at the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. You have Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and then Indiana Jones died. Yeah, yeah, somewhere quietly alone by himself. Well, actually, I think the Indiana Jones. I love this. I seen this on a meme that the Indiana Jones trilogy was actually a dream of Harrison Ford's while he was trapped in the carbonite in the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's that's fantastic. So they, they thawed him out, and the Indiana Jones trilogy ended. <laughs> He had a bad batch of shrooms and filmed the Crystal Skull. I don't know how that worked. I shouldn't say that. I've never seen the Crystal Skull, nor do I intend to. I, I, I actually went back and watched it for a second time a couple of months ago, and it was every bit as bad as I remembered. Um, but they've got the you know they've got Raiders listed as the best, and only slightly below that they've got Temple of Doom and Last Crusade ranked. Even I'm sorry. Last Crusade is is better than Temple of Doom. Yes, but you're but not biased. as good as Raiders. Well, you're biased. You love Sean Connery. No, I'm actually biased because of how much I hate the the woman in Temple of Doom. Oh, I couldn't tell you who that I couldn't was. Couldn't tell you what life. her name is, but the, her voice just every time she speaks is a is off. And I also don't like the the little sidekick kid thing they did. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad they ditched that device. I am too. And I'm now Superman, number number two being better than number one. I gotta agree with. Yeah, because the ending in number one was stupid. What happened? Did we make a movie and decide? Oh yeah, we need to come up with a way to end it. Yeah, it just like on the last day of shooting, they're like, oh, we forgot to do an ending here. Let's just figure this out. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's terrible ending. I mean, number one would be way down there for me just because of that. And I'm now I, this is interesting. Lord of the Rings, all three, same level. I, I agree with that, and they're all in sort of the top eighty percent. You know, but you know they shot all three of those at once. Did they really? Yeah, there there was no break between filming. They okay. shot all three Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, some uh, Mr. Shane, you are mistaken, but <laughs> I think you'll actually find that they took three weeks off for <laughs> Peter Jackson's uh, wedding, and he had to fly. Hey, your, your basement nerd is way better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my understanding is that they shot all three of them just right in a row, right together, which makes sense because it's pretty pretty high-dollar stuff. Yeah. Now that, that requires a lot of com- confidence in your product, but I'm, I'm up for that. Um, back to the Future, they've actually got the Part 3 worse than Part 2, which I have take huge exception to. I like Back to the Future Part 3. See, I didn't care for two or three of them. I thought I thought they could have ended Back to the Future with one movie 
and it been perfectly okay. I'd have never, I'd have never wanted for anything else. So three is better than two. Both of them together don't add up to one. Yeah, it was unnecessary. It was yeah. just cashing the check. We could have mm-hmm. lived without Back to the Future. Interestingly, did you know that Back to the Future Two is one of the most important uh, films from a from a legal standpoint that has ever been made? So, Crispin Glover played the dad. Right. Um, didn't come back for part two. So they intentionally, Robert Zemeckis intentionally hired an actor to replace him who looked just like Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover sued the production company for using his likeness and won. Hmm. So where we talk about likeness rights and things like that, it was a landmark case about Back to the Future 2. And so Crispin actually got paid because it was clearly the fact that it was meant to look like him is, you know, and they made money off of it. But he doesn't have some, I, 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 I find that highly suspect as, as an observer of the judge. I think the judge was crooked. I, I don't I, because, and they had no way of realizing that we were headed to this point or, or knew that we might get here. But if you think about it, CGI has come such a long way and we've gotten to a point where, it's so close to being realistic that presumably you could have a voice actor called or, or you could you could animate you know Samuel P. Jacobson get some guy that sounds just like Sam Jackson and you get and you create to look, you would never know that it wasn't really him, but you pay this guy a handful of nickels versus what it would cost to get Sam Jackson. And so it protects these celebrities from having their likeness created. Okay, but in order to do that, you've got to have a unique identity. You do. Yeah, Samuel Jackson has a unique identity. Um, Chris, um, Kristen, ba- Kristen Bale, eh, he's pretty generic. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover is... Pre- I'm, I'm, go- I'm getting there. Crispin Glover, oh, also <laughs> very generic. Okay. You said he with Kristen Bell. That's why I got confused. Yeah. Well, Chris... Christian Bale. Oh, Christian Bale. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And I, if you put Kevin Bacon, Christian Bale, and Crispin Glover all together, all three in a row, and asked me to pick them out of a lineup, I'd probably miss two out of three times. <laughs> I find that so hard. Because they're they're just kind of, they just kind of all blend together as brunette guys that, you know, girls swooned over in the 80s. Okay. And uh, they really don't... They really don't follow that. Michael Keaton has a very specific image. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, um, you know, if I put Mark Harmon and Sam Neill side by side in a car, could you tell the difference? Probably not. <laughs> you know. So if you're going to say you have a unique identity, you should be able to establish that identity to a certain degree. True. But at the same time, if if the production house made money off of your participation in a film and then they clearly don't try to hide the fact that they're trying to make someone else look just like you to keep it going. I think you can make a, a pretty good case that your likeness was unique enough to have warranted them taking extra steps to make this person look just like you. Yeah, but I mean, if they just wrote the character, you know, nobody could, you know, the, if you ever get a chance to watch the movies that made us on Netflix, it's awesome. And Ghostbusters, if you think about who were originally supposed to be the Ghostbusters, 
without Bill Murray, the Ghostbusters probably doesn't work. Right. You know, they really needed Bill Murray in there for it to work. I don't think Dan Aykroyd's contribution was as huge as some people would like to say. Uh, in order of importance, I would say Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, and um, Ernie Hudson mm. and all. But anyway, okay, well... I guess we should wrap this thing up talking a little bit about cigars at some point. All right. <laughs> so, the Opus has been excellent. It's been just the cigar I needed. This one had a little more spice, and I guess Opus is kind of characterized by that spice. I, I don't know. It's been so long since I've had one. I'd, I've never really found them to be particularly spicy, though. This one's had a lot more spice than what I'm used to in that. That's got to be the age talking, then. It, it must be. It must be something to do with the, the years setting on the shelf and everything like that. So what is going to be your return? Is it, Once everything's done, are you just going to go for the first cigar you grab, or are you going to make a destination out of it? What's going to be your return to the world of smoking? I haven't decided yet. We've got a week to go, so I've got plenty of time to figure that out. I may just go straight to an old standby, or I may, considering how much money I would have saved over the course of this week, I may just save up for something a little bit better than usual. Well, and that that is the question, you know, what should be the return cigar? I need to ask this of our friend that was on Lent, you know, what was going to be his return cigar? Because on the one hand, if you go, you know you're going to want more than one. Right. You know, you know you're going to want that second smoke. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you go for the Padron 1926, you know, deluxe edition or the 50th anniversary, you know, you really go big. If it were if it were today right now, it would be Aromacraft, just because that's kind of where my palate is right now. Uh, I could really easily see me heading that path next week. Um, anything by La Aurora. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you'd want to come in with something a little softer, almost a morning cigar. I I doubt it. I'd be really surprised if that's where I end up. Hmm. But we'll see. We'll talk about it next week along with a whole bunch more. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, we're on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast, and you can find us on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast as well. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.